Okay, guys, we're going to look at all of chapter 11 today, where we're going to talk about the issue of faith. Now, I think this is a very important chapter because I'll be flat out honest with you. We, the church today in North America, and I, and I say North America, it's not true most in most of the world, has so degraded what faith is. But I mean, and why did I say degraded? Well, we've so watered down what faith is. So for us, faith is just simply believing. Believing a concept, like, like you would believe two plus two equals four, or you would believe, uh, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity. You know, you, you, you know a fact, but it doesn't impact your life. That's not biblical faith. And we're going to see that because the author now, remember, he's writing a group of people who are thinking about giving up on the faith. Who are thinking about giving up on Jesus and going back to the old Levitical system. So you've got to understand the context of where chapter 11 is. The author has just proven that Jesus is far superior to the, to the whole uh, framework of... Uh, of the Levitical system, and he's talked about persevering and holding on to your faith. So now he's going to explain to us what faith is. And so this may be an enlightening uh, conversation today as I present this to you. If you've got questions as we go, raise your hand, because we do need to get, make sure that everybody's on the same page as far as what faith is. So let me explain to you as we begin What faith is not? Faith is not praying a prayer. So oftentimes we think just because our child or our co-worker or somebody prays the sinner's prayer that they've exercised faith. Now, they can exercise faith in doing that, but that's not faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just simply praying the prayer does not save you. It's faith that saves you. Did you understand what I'm saying? And it's not just simply belief that saves you. Why do you say not simply just belief, George? Well, once you think about it for a moment, James says that even the demons believe in what? Tremble. Okay, they believe God's there, but is that changing their rebellion against him? No. You know, it's interesting. Think about this. They have seen the presence of God, and they rebelled, right? Most people, we haven't seen God. We've seen his handiwork. But we haven't seen God, and and so in a sense, the angels, the demonic angels, their rebellion is even far more worse than our rebellion because they've seen the presence of God. So they believe, but they're not saved. So it's not just simple belief. It's more than that. So we're going to talk about that today, okay? So we're going to talk about that today and kind of wrestle with that, and we can wrestle out loud together, and and we want you to understand, okay? So this is a really good chapter. Let's look, we're going to look, let's just take it section by section. Let's look at the first three verses of chapter 11. We're going to see the nature of faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of, of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things 
which are seen were not made of things which are visible. All right, so let's talk about faith defined. Faith is being sure and certain of unseen hopes and realities. So when we talk about faith, the very first definition, the biblical definition, it's basically saying to you that faith is being sure and certain about unseen hopes and realities. So when you say you have faith, faith that you're going to heaven, you basically you are, you have a certainty within you about your future hope. When you say that you're saved because of what Jesus has done for you, you're having faith in what he did for you, okay, in a reality. That's what faith is, all right? It's more than just simply a belief. You are trusting in that. Do you understand what I'm saying? To know you're saved is because you're trusting in a reality or you're trusting in the fact that you're going to heaven. That's what faith is. All right? That's what faith is. So he goes on and says, This is the testimony of the Old Testament saints and that they had faith in what would come. They had faith in what would come. So you think about it. Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith in God. What did he trust God for? The promise. What was the promise, folks? Anybody know? Well, not just Jesus coming. Practically for him, it was he was a sojourner in the land of Canaan. Well, he would be the father of many nations. He would have a son. Okay, so he had a... In fact, he waited how long before he got his son? Yeah, 25 years. Okay? Think about that. How many of you would wait that long for something? Trust in, have faith in, and wait for something to materialize that much later. And then, he did he ever see the fulfillment of all the promises? No, because even to this day, they don't have the land, do they? No. So, I mean, he had faith. So, it was counted to him as righteousness. They had faith in what was unseen. Now, here's faith's understanding. To understand faith and its understanding, he's going to give an example here. Faith allows believers to understand the creation of the world by God's word. Faith allows you and I to understand that this world was created by God's word. What do I mean by God's word? Well, he spoke the word and everything came into existence. Isn't that what Genesis chapter 1 says? Now, the reason why we know that God created is because you have faith. So let me just stop for a moment. So like I'm I'm a big fan of young earth creationism. I'm a young earth creationist as far as my beliefs. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. It really doesn't matter how much scientific evidence a young earth creationist presents. That doesn't mean somebody who believes in evolution is going to what? Buy it or believe it. The reason why we're able to is because what gives us understanding? Faith. Do you you understand what I'm saying? So even though you present a lot of evidence, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to convince anyone. It becomes a matter of what? Faith and trust. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're looking at that from the perspective of your faith. And this is what he's saying here. Faith allows you to look and see 
that God has created by his word. Okay? Faith allows you to do that. He goes on and says one other thing here. Faith understands that the physical world was created out of nothing. This is what faith allows you to understand is that it was created out of nothing. Now, let me just stop for a moment. You know, the big argument today is is whether or not creationism should be taught in our schools. And so the evolutionist says, it's not science, it's religion. It's not science, it's religion. And so those who hold to creationism will say, well, it's science, it's science, it's not just religion. I'm going to have to tell you right now, it's both. Because the only way you can grasp it and hold on to it is what? Faith in God. If you're unregenerated and you're not saved, you're not going to fully grasp it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it, it is partly a part of faith that trust that God created. You know, so Ken Ham, who is the, you know, answer in Genesis guy, how I many, we've seen some of his videos here will say that our understanding of our salvation goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Why? Well, you have to understand that God created, to understand that he created two human beings who were perfect, to understand that those two human beings rebelled against him and sinned, and therefore doomed the rest of us to what? Yeah, to, to hell, for our sins, and that's why Jesus had to come for what? To die for our sins. That's all part of your faith and trust in Christ. And trust in what he did. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is where the author is going here. Faith understands that the physical world was created out of nothing. And they got a question so far. He's wanting us to understand. We're not just talking about a belief in facts. It's, it, it's a trust in, a commitment to the reality. Even though it's unseen, the hope that we have. All right, let's look. We're going to see the examples of faith. So we're going to take it section by section. And we're going to notice that from the beginning, God's people exhibited faith. And we're going to see how they did that. And you're going to see that it's more than just simply a belief. Do you understand? It's a trust and a commitment to God's revealed word. Alright? So let's look. First of all, we're going to look at verses 4 and 5. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had a testimony that he pleased God. Okay, so here's two individuals before the flood. Here's what it says. Abel and Enoch were men whose lives testified of their faith. So, okay, so the first example is Abel. And we know of Abel because Abel was killed by his brother Cain. But the issue was, okay, that Abel offered a sacrifice by faith because it's what God wanted. So by faith he did that. Cain, did he offer that type of sacrifice? No. No, and so here he is. He's counted righteous because of his act of faith. And so when it says here that his 
Notice now the last part. And through it, he being dead still speaks. What does that mean here? He being dead still speaks. What does that refer to? Well, even though he's dead, the testimony of his faith still lives on, right? In fact, isn't that what we teach? We teach that in Sunday school, okay? Teach it in Sunday school. So it's still being taught. Look now at Enoch. Enoch was taken away. Now, what does that mean? One day he was walking, and one day God said, come with him. He didn't die. He's one of two individuals in the scripture who did not die a physical death. God came and took them. Who's the other one? Elijah. And so here he is. He had a testimony of faith in God, so much so that God took him. This is an example of what we know of as the rapture. Okay? Our translation is the theological term for it. Okay? Where God took them so that they did not experience Physical death. That's what the rapture is. It's a translation. You know, we hear people say, well, the rapture can't happen. It's never happened before. Yes, yeah, happened twice before. But on a singular level, Enoch and who else? Elijah. So here you see that he has a testimony of faith. So then you come to verse 6, and he's going to give you a principle of faith. So let's look at verse 6. Look at what it says there. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here's what he wants you to see. You cannot please God without faith. You cannot please him without faith. That, my friends, is the testimony of Scripture. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Well, so we go over to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, in that day, many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these great things in your name? And some of the things they did are pretty spectacular. Casting out demons, miracles. And he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So it's possible... For you and I to do great things for God, but not please Him. Because it's possible for you to do things without what? Faith. Without a trust in and a commitment to God. Did you understand what I'm saying? Now that's a scary thing though, because you and I really need to examine why we do what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here right now thinking, you know, George, what about when you preach? Is it possible that you preach without faith? Yeah, it sure is. Is it possible that my acts of service to God are without faith? Yeah. Is that pleasing to him just because I did something, just because I preached or taught? No, it's not not pleasing to him at all. See, without faith, So it's not just belief. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not just belief. Without faith, which you have a commitment to, a trust in, the hope and the uncertain realities, the certain realities that exist that you can't see, you can't please Him. That should give all of us a pause, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? That should pause all of us for the moment. You can't please Him. Because here He goes on, He's going to say, What is faith here? What is faith? He's saying that if you and I are going to please God and have the kind of faith that brings, that pleases Him, here's what He says. 
Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who seek him. So, what I'm going to, what he's saying here is this. If I gotta have faith enough to believe that he exists and who he is, that I'm going to go to him. I must believe, have faith to go to him, but I also need to have faith in the fact that I realize the, the character of God, that as I diligently seek him. Now, does everybody understand the word diligently? It, it's almost like you're persistent. You're continuing to go to Him. And, and and you believe that if you go to Him, He's going to reward you. Did you understand what I'm saying? He diligently, re, He what rewards those who diligently seek Him. There's a persistence there. In fact, that, my friends, is throughout the New Testament. What do you mean? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like, a guy who finds a pearl of great worth and he goes and what? Sells everything he has to what? Get that pearl. It's like a guy who finds a treasure in a field and he sells all that he has so that he can buy the what? Buy the field. It's like a widow who loses a coin in the house and she turns her house upside down in the house looking for the what? Coin. See, faith is realizing how precious and powerful God is to your life that you will do whatever it takes to have him. And see, your faith is, as you know, that when you have him, he'll what? Reward you. Now, that's a different kind of belief, isn't it? Just That goes beyond just believing that he exists. Every Anybody can say that. Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah. Just thinking about that this morning. You know what? We get so bent out of shape about our country and God bless America and stuff. <clears throat> but the reality is, I'm going to be honest with you, you need to understand for most people that God that they're asking to bless America is not your God. You know that. They don't believe you're God. They believe in a God. Okay? Some abstract thing where everybody's going to make it. But you believe in a personal God, a God who will reward you as you seek Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And as you live for Him, you exhibit faith in what is who died for you. Okay? Who died for you. So here is the principle. The principle is, is that, you know, I need to recognize that without faith, I'm not going to please Him. But faith drives me to seek Him knowing that He'll what? Reward you. So just stop for a moment. Faith drive your prayers? Don't answer me, but I want you to think about that. Well, what does it reflect when we don't pray? Yeah, a lack of faith, doesn't it? Because faith drives me to God knowing that he's going to what? Answer me somehow. See, that's what faith is. See, here's the thing, folks. Faith is more than just trusting Jesus for fire insurance. Faith is for right now. Trusting him for your everyday life right now. So, how many of you had a perfect week? Nothing went wrong this week? Or how about this perfect month? We're almost at the end of September. You've had no problems at all. Nobody. How many of you are like me? You're like, wow, I'm glad September's over. Hope October's better. 
We need faith to carry us through. We need faith to carry us through. All right, let's go on. Let's look at Noah. He's going to keep going. He wants to show us these examples of faith to help you, really even to challenge our own self. Do I have faith? Do I have faith? You know, think about the think about that second one, Enoch. Do you have the kind of faith that you have a relationship with God that God says, "Hey, why don't you come home with me today?" Wow. You don't even experience death. You just get immediately translated. That's pretty awesome, you know. So here's Noah. Look at verse 7. By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and and became the heir of righteousness according to faith. Here's what I want you to see. Having been warned of an unseen judgment, Noah acted in faith and built the ark. So, so, like, if you get, you're in a world that has never had any type of disaster before, like that before, flooding, a worldwide flood, and you get warned in your dream that the world's going to flood, it's going to destroy every living creature except your family if you build this ark, tells you how to build the ark. Do you wake up in the morning and say, wow, what did I eat last night? The scripture tells us he took years to build this thing. He didn't just build it overnight. Years to build it. Is that not an act of faith? And by his building this, it's you know, the scripture refers to Noah as a prophet because he preached to the world around him judgment because obviously he would be telling the world as he built it, why are you building that thing? The world's going to be doomed. The world's going to die. It's going to be judged for its sin. That's an act of faith. Now, just so you understand, we could almost picture in our mind the ridicule and everything that he went through as he built it, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's an example of faith that you continue on because God told you, even though you've never seen anything like it before ever, Hey, let me just stop for a moment. This is a good point to make this point to you. God will ask you to do things that are sometimes beyond your capabilities. Will you do them? A lot of us will say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that, Lord, because I I lack the strength to do that. I lack the ability to do that. Well, see, first of all, God knows you lack the strength and the ability to do that. The reason why he's asking you to do that is he wants you to step out in faith to do it because he's the one who what does it through you. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who does it through you. That's faith. Am I going to trust him to do what he's asking me to do? Do you think that's why as a church, not just our church, but as a church in America, we're so weak? It's because we're not willing to trust God anymore. Do you know what I mean? If we can't figure it out, if we can't get a debt plan or a capital campaign to build it, then obviously God didn't tell us to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
He didn't tell us to go down this avenue because we have to figure it out. We're not exercising faith when we do that. Oh, I've heard people say this. Well, you got to have faith that the loan officer okays it. That ain't faith. If I can have faith that the loan officer okays it, why can't I have faith in God to provide it? Do you know what I'm saying? So, here we see Noah. Man, what an exercise of his faith, huh? Let's go on here. Look at verses 8 through 22. He's going to talk about the faith of Abraham and the fathers. Now, when we talk about the fathers, we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the fathers, okay? So the writer here talks about these. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelled in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Those all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who said such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. For truly, if they are called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have the opportunity to to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith Jacob when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he, had, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Okay, so let's take a look here. We're going to see the faith of Abraham and the fathers. First thing we need to see here is this. Abraham's faith exhibited his faith in God Abraham's life exhibited his faith in God, even though he did not see. So let me just stop for a moment. So you understand where Abraham came from, what he did? I mean, this is this is pretty powerful. Abraham was from a city called Ur of Chaldees. Now, where is that? It's over in Iraq, near the Persian Gulf. He went up there with his family. They left because of God telling him to leave. From there to Haran. Now, where is Haran? It's up in Syria. Okay. 
And then after a few years there, he, he journeyed down with his wife, who was his half-sister, Sarah, down into Canaan, which is modern-day Israel today. He did that by faith, because God told him to. So he left his homeland, everything he knew, and went on a big journey by faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? Left everything by faith and did that. So he had faith in God. Why? Because God promised him what? First of all, a seed, not just one son, but a multitude of sons, like the like the sand on the seashore. And I'm, you know, I love going to the beach. You like going to the beach? I love the beach. How many of you like sitting on the beach just tanning? Now, the most irritating thing, but the fun thing about the beach is the sand, because it gets everywhere. Have you tried counting the grains of sand on the beach? That's impossible, isn't it? That's what the, that's what the promise is. You're going to have a seed. You're going to have descendants like the sand, it says. So it's a picture of a multitude. By faith, he did that. Hey, by faith, he changed his name. What do you mean he changed his name? His name used to be Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. Do you know the difference between? Here's the difference. Abraham means the father of many. At that point when his name was changed, he had Ishmael. And and, and really at that point he also has Isaac. So the father of many has two sons. Do you know what I'm saying? Abraham's life exhibited his faith in God, even though he did not see. He goes on and says, they died in faith, not receiving the promises while alive. He never received the promises. Never received the promises. Never received the land. He was always the only piece of property that Abraham owned. Folks, if you know your, if you know the book of Genesis, the only piece of property that Abraham owned in Palestine when he died was a burial plot for his wife. That was it. A burial plot for his wife. That was, that was all he owned. Period. But he had faith. God told him, look to the north, look to the, all this I'll give to you. And he had faith in that to the end. He never saw it. That's what faith is. Alright? He died not receiving the promises while he was alive. They were assured of the promises as they embraced them by faith. God says, you know, you're going to receive this. And he still will. Because remember what Jesus said when the Sadducees were challenging him about the issue of the resurrection? And he said... You know, we say that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and what? Jacob. And he said that just by saying that, God is not the God of the dead, but of the what? Living. Because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob still live. They're just resurrected. Do do, do you understand? They're with him. And they will receive. Okay, so they've yet to receive. So they've embraced something that they're going to receive by faith later on. Do you understand? The promises we have in Christ, are we going to receive them now? No, they receive them later. That's what your faith is in. That in spite of this world and how bad it gets, 
We're going to receive them later. So their faith moved them to declare themselves strangers and pilgrims in this world. Their faith moved them to declare themselves just temporary travelers through this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Temporary travelers. That's what their faith moved them to. So he says that Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph were men whose lives testified of their faith. So you think about Joseph. He he leaves instructions. Now, when you leave Israel, I mean, he had faith that they were going to leave Israel. It was 400 years later. But when you leave Israel, you will what? Take my bones with you. And guess what they did? When you read the book of Exodus, when they left, whose bones did they take with them? Joseph's. That's faith, folks. Let's go on now. Look at verse 23 and 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than treasures in Egypt. He looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he could... lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. All right, let's stop there. Pretty significant thing happening there. You just got to go through Exodus to understand what's going on there and what he's sharing about. Here, the writer's wanting to focus on the whole issue of faith. So what is he saying here? Moses' life reflects the decisions of faith. When you see everything that's listed there, what you're reflecting on is is that you're seeing the decisions of faith. So by faith, his whole birth, that was a decision of faith. Not on his part, he was a baby, but on whose part? His parents. Because the law was, if it was a male child, it needed to be what? Killed. Okay? So his parents are acting on faith in his life. So you see different things there. When he's in the household of the the Egyptian king, he refused by faith. Everything is an issue of faith with Moses. Decisions of faith. Think about this. You're told, you you know the plagues are happening. The plagues are happening on the Egyptians. They have yet to ever happen on the Israelites. The final plague is the plague of the firstborns being taken, but you're told, hey, you've got to do this. You've got to take a lamb. You've got to sacrifice it. Put its blood on the, on the doorposts of your house in a certain way, and then you've got to eat the lamb, and you, and the way you've got to eat it, you've got to be, you've got to be ready to go. You've got to eat it in haste and be ready to go. And if you don't do this, the death angel is going to come by and he's going to kill your firstborn. That, my friends, is the decision of faith to believe that that's going to happen, isn't it? 
and to follow through on every instruction. That's faith. That's more than just a belief. That's being convinced that God is real and God's going to do what he said. Okay? That's what faith is here. His life reflects the decisions of faith. Here's the other one. I mean, you're, you're moseying out with a million people. You come to the Red Sea. You camped out. Here comes the Egyptian army behind you. And Moses says, let's go. And you got the ocean in front of you. First of all, think of Moses. It was faith to step out and what? Divide the sea. To believe God to do that. Do you understand? That's faith. That's more than just a belief. It's being convinced that who's going to do it? God's going to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what faith is. Faith is more than just a simple belief. So here we go. By faith, Moses kept the Passover, which saved the firstborn. That's what I want you to see there. So Moses' life reflects faith. Now, do you understand? Just stop for a moment. What Now, do you see why that would please God? Anybody can see why that would please God? Yeah, not just obeying him, but you're believing him to be able to do whatever. Do you understand? Like, I remember when, when my little ones were smaller, okay? Remember, particularly Maddie and Foss, they would have a toy, and, and, and it always pleased me, even though I maybe couldn't do anything about it, but it always pleased me that they would come up with their little toy that they liked, and it was broke, and they would say, Daddy, fix. Daddy, fix. Now, that made me feel good. Not because I could fix it, probably I couldn't, because they would disappear if I couldn't, okay? But because they believed Dad could do what? Anything. Didn't that please you when your kids thought that way? Did you know what I'm saying? Do you see now why faith pleases God? Faith, go back to what it says in verse 6, is believing that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. How are we doing? How am I doing? I've got to ask myself that question. How am I doing with my faith when I read this chapter and see the principles? And I see the stuff that I go through in my life and the things that I get depressed about and the things that I get discouraged by and the things that I wonder about. I mean, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to get through that? How is this going to happen? Do you know what I'm saying? How's my faith? That's when I have to be like that that father who who said to Jesus I believe but help my unbelief remember that in the gospels God help my unbelief you know help me to have faith all right let's go on now he's going to talk about the the israelites taking uh taking israel in the early years look with me uh verse 29 to 38 Talks about them passing the Red Sea in verse 29. By faith, verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who believed when she received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and also of David, and of Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, 
stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the, the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received up their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and the caves of the earth. All right, so let's, let's look here. By faith, it says, Israel passed through the Red Sea. And then he, what, is, what is he doing here? The writer follows the history of faith from those known and unknown in Israel. The history of faith. So let's talk for a moment. I think one of the amazing ones here is Rahab. Do you understand what faith is? Just look at the life of Rahab. Rahab, was she an Israelite? No, she was a resident of Jericho. She was a Canaanite, a pagan. Not just a pagan, she was a prostitute. But by faith, she harbored the spies and sent them on their way. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you read in Joshua... The account there, what she says to the spies is, we heard about your God and what he did to the Egyptians. She had faith in God based upon just what she heard about him. Oh yeah, she was saved. That's the whole point. This is what the writer is saying here. By faith, she did that. Faith in God. Yes, I think she's saved. Yeah, and she's also in the lineage of Jesus. Okay, she's a great, 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 great grandmother to Jesus. All right? The reality is, that's what faith is. Trusting in him, even in spite, think about that. You, you want to talk about what faith is with her? If they had found the spies with her, what do you think they would have done with her? Yeah, it would have been a capital offense. You're a traitor. Faith moves her. To harbor them, faith also moves her to say to the spies, when you come back, save my family. Yeah, she was a Gentile. Yep, yep, she was a Gentile. So faith moved her to, to have, to make the request for her family. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they said, okay, put this, put this scarlet thread in the window and everything will be okay. You know, the rope. And she was alright. That's what faith is. Look here, look, and when you look through this list of people, my goodness, look at this list of people. Gideon. His life was not perfect, but he's listed here. Barak. Barak was the commander of the Israelites in the book of Judges. Deborah was the prophetess, and he didn't want to lead the army into battle. And so he didn't get the reward from the battle, but he's listed here in the Hall of Faith. Isn't that interesting? Here's a guy who failed. He's listed here. Do we need to say anything about David? Seriously, about David. Not just his sin with Bathsheba, 
but his pride in wanting to take the census of the country and resulting in, in punishment to the whole nation? He's listed here. So do you think you guys got a chance? When you look at this crowd that we're looking at here, do you know what I'm saying? So he goes on here, and, and this is what I want you to understand. When you look at what he says here about the many more who went through all these other things, that's about us, folks. That's about us. You know what I'm saying? The issue is having faith. When it talks about the gentleman, someone being sawn in two, that's the prophet Isaiah. Uh, tradition says that Isaiah was sawn in two under the, under the kingship of Manassas. They put him in a log and cut him in two. That was his execution. So, what do we see here? Look at verse 39 and 40. We're going to talk about the fulfillment of faith. Look with me at verse 39. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So a couple of things here I want you to see. First of all, about the faith of those before Christ. Because that's often said. What about those who had faith? What about these guys who were before Jesus? What about them? The Old Testament saints had faith even as they did not receive the promise. They had faith even though they didn't receive the promise. So let me just stop for a moment. Are you okay if God doesn't give you what you want? Are you? Are you okay if God doesn't rescue you? Because he doesn't promise to rescue you. God does not promise to answer every prayer the way you want it to be answered. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the testimony of Scripture. How can you say that, George? Let us think about it. Go all the way over to Daniel, I believe it's chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar. I think it's chapter 3. Chapter 3, because chapter 2 is his first dream. After the first dream, Nebuchadnezzar has this golden image. And, the, you know, everybody's supposed to bow down to it. And somebody accuses Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of not bowing down to it. And so he, he confronts them. Nebuchadnezzar confronts them and says, look, if you don't bow down, you're going to be cast into the fire. And it's interesting. If you look at their response, they say, okay, our God can deliver us. But here's the key word. But if not, is that word in your dictionary? Those words, is that phrase in your vocabulary? But if not, we're still not going to bow down to your God. He's able. So, is but if not a phrase that you use? God, I'm going to trust you for this. But if not, I'm still going to trust you. Because I'm going to trust you in fact, spite of the fact that this isn't happening the way I want it to happen. I'm going to be honest with you folks. A lot of Christians get hung up there because they, you won't believe, you know, when you pastor a long time in one place, I, the number of people who when they don't see God deliver, because they prayed and asked for something and then you never see them in church again. They get disappointed by the hardship they go through. And so God failed them. Like he was obligated. God's not obligated to any of us. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? He's not obligated to solve the, the world that we live in. My trust is in him to get me through this world. Did you understand what I'm saying? 
That's where my faith is. These folks, these Old Testament saints, this is what faith is. They had faith even though they never saw the promise. Never saw the promise. Abraham's promised all of this land. Look to the north, look to the east, look to the south. All of this I'll give to you, God said. When he died, the only thing he owned was the burial plot that they put him in. Think about that. But they were counted righteous. They had faith. This is the challenge for us. This is the challenge for you and I. So he goes on. God provided something better for us. That is Jesus Christ. See, they had a hope in something to come. They, they didn't know that Jesus was coming. They didn't have that hope. Abraham sure didn't have that hope. He knew that there was something else, but he didn't completely understand it. None of them would have understood that God would come in human flesh and die on a cross for us. Okay? We have something better. We have something better to put our faith in. That's the point he's making here. So God has provided something better for you and I. So then notice now, the Old Testament saints will experience the promise together with believers today. So the promise that we're hoping for, that we see in Jesus, the Old Testament saints, we're going, they're going to experience the same promise together. The same promise together. Okay. Okay. 